Well, good morning. It's good to see you all again this morning. Uh, now, last week, you might remember if you were here, that uh, we had the honor of participating in a celebration of life for Jan Cummer, one of our, our members, who was killed in an auto accident uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, yesterday, uh, the uh, lady who was involved in the accident as well, Holly Krager, uh, attends the Shift Church over in Albany. Um, it was her memorial service, and, and it, was, uh, uh, it was an amazing service. I had the chance to go over and, and to kind of represent Southside over there. And uh, what, a, what an amazingly uh, sorrowful but joyful uh, celebration. And I just want you to know that, that uh, those two ladies were amazing women. And they both had an amazing impact on the kingdom of God by the amount of love which they showed uh, towards their uh, co-workers, to their family, to their friend. And so, obviously, we mourn their loss, but we also are very grateful for the impact that they had uh, on the people around them. And uh, hopefully all of us can, can say that same thing one day, that, that we live lives that demonstrated the love of Christ to other people. So please continue to be praying for the, the Kummer family and the Krieger family. Well, over the last uh, several weeks, over the course of the summer, we've been going through a sermon series called This Not That, and we've been reading through Ephesians chapter 4. We started in about verse 17, and we finished up chapter 4 last week, and this week we're going to jump into chapter 5. But just uh, for the sake of review, uh, some of the things that we've been talking about, uh, for example, from Ephesians 4, 17 through 21, uh, the Apostle Paul shares with us that we need to put on uh, knowledge uh, and take off ignorance, right? We need to uh, be convinced of the things that we've been taught through God's word and live lives in commitment to those things and to put aside the ignorance, the old way of life. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, we talked about how as believers we should be identified by speaking the truth and not by falsehood and, and lies and how that impacts our witness for uh, the kingdom. In Ephesians 4, 26... We looked at the idea of, of having patience instead of demonstrating anger and, and letting anger consume us, instead being patient and, and kind. In Ephesians 4.28, we uh, took a week and we looked at the idea of work and, and how we need to uh, help provide for other people, our family, our friends, those around us, instead of uh, stealing and abusing uh, other people's hard work. In Ephesians 4.29, one of my favorite passages, we talked about the, empower, the importance and power of our words and how we should be speaking encouragement to people and not discouraging uh, people with the things that we say. And then last week, we kind of wrapped up Ephesians 4. All of those previous things that we had talked about could be summarized with that uh, statement of being kind and compassionate, right? Forgiving as we've been forgiven. What an amazing a passage of scripture that we had the pleasure to talk about last week. Well, this week we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to go through uh, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 21, over the course of this month. Now, last month, and uh, in the, the Ephesians 4, we read the whole passage each week. And now, uh, this week, we're, we're going to start doing the same thing in Ephesians chapter 5. There are 21 verses, so each week this is going to be kind of a... Uh, 
a, a big chunk that we're going to read through. But I believe that it's important for us to understand the whole package as we we try to pull out little tidbits from each verse. It's important for us to understand the bigger picture as we read this. So we're going to kind of commit this to our memory as we go through uh, verses one through twenty one each week. So let's do that. Ephesians chapter five, starting in, in verse one. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an, an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such thing, uh, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not partner with them. Do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are a light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are, are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalm, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, this passage is filled with some amazing pictures. But today we're going to start there at the beginning. And before we jump into our actual text, which is going to be uh, verses 3 through 5, I wanted to point out something uh, from verses 1 and 2. In verses 1 and 2, there's a little word that's very important for us to uh, catch hold of. It's the word therefore. Therefore. Uh, Be imitators, therefore, as dearly loved children. In one of the translations, it starts off with that word. It says, therefore, as dearly beloved children, be imitators of God. Uh, whenever we see a, a therefore, there's a biblical uh, interpretation principle here. You have to ask yourself a question. One of my uh, college professors put it this way. He said, whenever you see a therefore, you need to ask yourself, what's it there for? Maybe you've heard that before, right? What is the therefore therefore? There's a purpose. You see, in the Bible, in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, there weren't verses. Okay? It was just it was a letter written out in hand, handwritten, right? A letter like you might write to someone. And other people afterwards came, came along and made verse and chapters. Okay? So uh, often, single thoughts can be divided by chapter markers. And we kind of think, oh, it's a new chapter, like a new chapter of a book. However, often it is picking up a, an idea. Or expounding on an idea. And that's the case here. There's a therefore. It's referring to what we have just been talking about over the last six weeks. All those things that we're supposed to be putting off. All the things that we need to be putting on. 
So therefore, in light of all of these things, in light of us uh, having a need, a command to be kind and compassionate and forgiving of one another, what do we need to do? Well, it tells us, right? Be imitators of God. Imitation. Be imitators uh, of God as dearly loved children. You know, it's interesting to me. I was thinking about this this week. Um, children are really good imitators. Have you, have you noticed that? Children mimic uh, what they see around them. Uh, sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad, right? Uh, sometimes they pick up habits from their older siblings or their dads, right? And uh, those things aren't maybe the best thing. But, but children imitate. That's how they learn. You know, that's how they develop. They imitate first without understanding, and then eventually as they grow and they learn, they, they gain understanding of what it is that they're actually imitating. We can see this in the speech of young children. Their first words are simply babbling, and then those babbles begin to sound very similar to real words, and then those, those, those uh, kind of words that aren't quite words turn into actual conversations. And the babies, the young children, uh, mimic what they hear their parents doing. For example, I, I ha- watched this video here recently, and we have a, a copy of it. Um, where I'm going to show you a little clip from it. Uh, Nate, I don't know if Doug cued it to 50 seconds, but let's show it about, about 15, 20 seconds of this video. This is my favorite part right here. <laughs> Have you seen that? Maybe you've seen that before. Uh, I love that because uh, these little kids, they're not saying any words, but they are having a deep conversation. All right? They, they are, I, I picture in my mind the conversation that their parents had last night at the dinner table that they're... <laughs> That they're repeating, right? There is some. There are some questions being asked, and there are some uh, definite denials being made, right? Mom and Dad, I'm sure, had a had a very similar conversation the night before. You know, babies and uh, young children are good at imitation, but really, as adults, we're not much different. You know, we still imitate those around us. We imitate other people's styles, maybe the way they dress, other language. We picked up our accents and things. So you notice if you go down south for any length of time, what happens to your own language? It slows down and a little twang starts to develop, right? You know, other people's hobbies, the things, uh, the jokes, the, 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 the way other people carry themselves, we imitate those things. You know, we see someone in, in our profession that has had success and we respect. And so we try to imitate what they've done, right? We, we're good at this too. Uh, we see someone with a successful marriage or uh, being successful parents. And so we try to re- uh, duplicate the things that they have done so that we can have success as well. Well, as Christians, we are called to a greater imitation, an imitation of God uh, after Christ's example after how Jesus loved, after how he served, and after how he sacrificed. 
See, this series, this this not that series, is in in essence an effort to do exactly that. To remove the negative aspects of our old way of life, our old self and our old influences, and become more Christ-like as we put on a new self. Well, today we're going to look again, like I said, at Ephesians chapter 3, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Now, I want to say, I want to start off with a little kind of uh, aside here. This passage has some very difficult uh, context, some, some difficult um, things to talk about, some very things that could become very explicit. And uh, in an effort to, to not be too uh, explicit, too uh, pointed, I'm going to speak in a lot of generalities today. Because we as Christians, we have a habit sometimes of trying to pick out our favorite sins or our least favorite sin. And we try to judge things and say, this sin is more important than this sin. When in essence, Jesus here, excuse me, the Apostle Paul uh, is saying that there is a broad category, that all of our sins fall within. And though some of the things he is going to mention is sexual in nature, uh, there's a lot more going on here than sexual immorality. And so all of us are struggling with our own personal demons and our own personal sins. So I'm going to allow you this morning to fill in the blank. I'm going to allow you to identify the sin in your heart and not be the one who highlights one sin over another. For example, we as Christians are pretty good at picking on homosexuality. Right? And, we, and we, we, we want that to be kind of, we don't like that. It's, a, it's visible and we, we, don't, we feel like it's crammed down our throats and so we highlight that a lot. I'm, I'm not going to be doing that this morning. Okay, that's part of what is included in here. But we often sweep under the rug other issues like pornography and we don't want to talk about those things. Okay, so this morning, it's our, each of our responsibility to fill in the blank of our own personal struggles here. So let's read, though, Ephesians 5, 3 through 5 once again. It says, but among you, this isn't the world, this is the church, but among you, the church, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, Foolish talk or, or coarse, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, uh, such a man as an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of, of Christ and of God. Okay, this is kind of a heavy, uh, heavy piece of uh, scripture. Okay, because uh, really this is saying that all of us fall into this category. Of some sort. Let's break it down just a little bit. It starts off with his, it says, there must not even be a hint, a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. You know, our holiness, our personal holiness is important to God. Sexual immorality, greed, any kind of impurity, you know, He wants you to be pure. So much so that it, that it goes beyond just action in regard to these things. It's not just about the act of being sexually immoral, of being an adulterer, of having a pornography addiction. What does it mean? What do I mean by that? Well, Matthew chapter 5, verse 28 will clarify. It says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
See, God's word tells us that it's not just the action that puts us into these categories, right? It's the thought, it's, it's the heart behind those uh, activities. It's more than just acting out. It gets down to our heart, to our mind, and to our thoughts. Not even a hint. And how, uh, how, what a standard is that? How high is that standard? That not even a hint of these things should be in our lives. I'll be the first to admit there's a hint, right? I've got a hint, right? There are things that, that, that I think, things that I do, things that I watch, things that I uh, condone through inaction that would qualify as hints of these things. Next part, nor should. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. See, maybe having an affair, maybe experiencing lust in your heart, maybe uh, pornography isn't an issue for you. If so, that's fantastic. Praise God. Uh, But what about the words you speak? What about the jokes you tell or the jokes you laugh at? You know, these all fall under the same category of impurity. And we're to put them off. We're to cast them away from us. We're to throw them aside and not have anything to do with them. How difficult is that in a culture that's over-sexualized, right? That uh, on TV, the humor is, is no longer uh, G or even PG rated on our evening television shows. And that's tough, not a hint. Of this you can be sure. It's the next part of that passage. Of this you can be sure. The people who practice these things don't have an inheritance in this kingdom. That's difficult. That's, that's a hard one to put my mind around. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 uh, echo this thought. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Quite a list, and that's a that's a uncomfortable list. Because as I look at my past, as I look at my life, I can tell you that there are times when uh, those pop into my life. But I think the encouraging part here is something maybe that we overlook sometimes. In the New American Standard, I like how it translates this verse because at the end there it says, "Those who practice." Such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In the NIV, it says those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, those who are defined by these things, those who have a lifestyle that reflect these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, we're sinful people. Even after we've come to know Jesus, it's a struggle between our flesh and our, and our spirit, between our old self and our new self. And there's going to be times when we fall. And there's going to be times when we, we uh, have one of these areas, one of these attributes pop, pop up in our, in our life. It's, it's going to happen. You're going to have that struggle from time to time. But is it what you are defined by? Is it what you're known for? Is it what you are practicing Again, as a football coach, you know what happens when you practice something over and over and over? You get pretty good at it, right? Hey, what are you practicing? Are you getting good at these things? 
That's the warning sign. So what are we supposed to do instead? So we know that these are danger zones. These are things we need to avoid. Uh, that's the impurity that we're supposed to be putting off. And the flip side of impurity is purity. And how do we come to purity? Well, I have four verses for you this morning. And I just have referenced those verses up here on a slide. But we need to set our sights on purity. And here's some verses that can help us with that. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4 say this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should be set apart. Sanctified means made holy, made pure. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy. And holiness is pureness, right? And honorable. Holy and honorable. Practicing self-control is a way that we combat impurity, that we combat these things. Setting our minds on God, being pure before Him. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. And this is a matter of perspective. Having, having the right perspective here and understanding that this world that we live in right now is not the end goal. And the, and the pursuits and the enjoyments of what we can experience around us right now is not what we should be living for. Our hearts should be set on things above. And then understanding that the best is yet to come. And the funniest joke you will ever laugh at is yet to be told in heaven one day, right? And the most enjoyable moment in your life is still... In front of you, set your heart on things above. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Being committed to listening to the Spirit that God has given you, as you submit your life to Him as a Christian, as you accept Him into your life, He promises His Holy Spirit to us. But what do we do with that Spirit? Do we quench the Spirit, or do we listen to it? Sometimes the voice inside of our head that isn't the Spirit Right? That little selfish voice, little sinful voice, it speaks a lot louder than the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellence or praiseworthy, think about such things. What are you thinking about? What are you sending your mind on? What's running through this brain? I've mentioned this phrase before. Any of you that have been involved in computer programming will have heard the term gigo. Garbage in, garbage out. Right? What are you putting into your brain? Because what you put into your brain is going to be what you receive out. Right? The actions of your hands, the actions of your thoughts, where you go, what you do, all come from what we feed our brain. So purity, not impurity. Because the dangers of impurity are severe. So what do we do? What do we do if we find ourselves in the middle of a sinful situation? If we find that our ways have become or remain impure, that our lifestyle is being defined by those things that we've mentioned before. What do we do? Let's see, I have one, two, three, four, five, six things for us to do this morning. A little progression that you can work your way through. The first thing is to flee. Get out of town. Flee. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Flee! Run away! Escape! Get out of there! Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Get out of there. Remove yourself from the situation. 
Flee sin. We have a great example of this in Scripture in Genesis chapter 39 in the life of Joseph. You might remember the story. Joseph is a young man who's been sold into slavery, and he finds himself working for a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar has a beautiful wife who's attracted to Joseph. While Potiphar is away one day, Joseph, who has been kind of put in a position of responsibility within Potiphar's house, is approached by Potiphar's wife in a way that is inappropriate, immoral, impure. And so what does Joseph do? He flees. He gets out of town, right? He leaves. Now, his decision in the short term cost him, and he got thrown in prison because Potiphar believed his wife's accusations rather than Joseph. But God had a bigger plan for Joseph's life. And as a result, that led to Joseph being in a position to save his family and a lot of, one, a lot of people one day later in his life in Egypt. So we flee. We get away. Get away. Then once we get away, we repent. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all impurity. You know, that's really the story of the gospel. You see, these, these, uh, uh, these words that we've read in Ephesians here, it almost leads to a bar that's too high for any of us to reach. Right? It's a level of, of, of purity and expectation that, that we can't obtain. That's the beauty of the gospel, because with that great expectation of purity comes a huge dose of grace and forgiveness. That's why Jesus came to this earth, was to bring about the forgiveness that we needed, because we couldn't reach perfection. You know, the prodigal son returned to his father in disgrace, but what was he given? Forgiveness and love. Right? So if you find yourself in the middle of impurity of any kind, God's right there waiting for us. As we flee that immorality, we flee that impurity, we repent of that sin, he promises to forgive us. Then what do we do? We flee, we repent, and then we need to execute. Hey, execute. We need to put to death, according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, <laughs> which is idolatry. Put them to death. Execute them. See, as you flee from them, as you return from them, you repent, you ask for forgiveness, then it's time to, to get down to business and get rid of those attributes in your life. Now, when something happens as we get rid of one old habit, others like to pop up, Right? We get rid of one bad habit and something else runs in quickly to take its place. But in Romans 13, 14, it gives us the answer. When we're naked, what do we need to do? Clothe ourselves. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. See, if you are just trying to beat one addiction, something else is going to take its place. Right? Unless you put on Christ. Unless you put on Christ. Clothe yourself with Jesus. Next, after we flee, we repent, we execute, and we clothe. The next one is to abstain. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-8, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain, 
You don't practice these things. You abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness, in pureness. Abstain from these things. But that's difficult, right? That's difficult. Because like I said earlier, we live in a culture and a society where these things are bombarding us from all sides. The opportunity for impurity is around us at every turn. So what do we do? Well, last one, we need to get help. We need help. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it kind of commands us from the other side of things to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does that mean? For to bear one another's burdens. It means that there's someone on the other side that has a burden to bear, and sometimes we're the ones that have that burden that need help. Right? Well, that's what we're, why we're a family. That's why we're here today, to help each other out. That's why... We have programs at Southside like Celebrate Recovery. And I can tell you, in a passage of Scripture with the things that, that we read earlier, those lists of, of sins, Celebrate Recovery is a fantastic place to begin your journey against impurity. So I'd like to encourage you, if you have any questions about that, if you need help, ask for help. Ask for help. Let others bear your burdens. And so fulfill the love, the law of Christ. You know, when I was about 18 years old, 17 or 18 year old, uh, my friend and I had a, uh, he was about uh, 17. Uh, he worked for a construction company. And there was a gentleman that he worked with. I don't remember his name now, but he was about 30 years old. He was really old. And uh, he was still single. And, but he was a Christian young man, and uh, my friend Eric and I, we really respected him a lot. And one day he was sharing with Eric, and as soon as Eric got off work, he told me this story, that this young man had a, a girlfriend. And he found himself one evening in a, in a compromising position where he had the opportunity to violate some of the things that we uh, read earlier. And in that moment, he realized the danger that was in front of him and he was at his own apartment and he grabbed his keys and his wallet and he ran out the door got into his truck and went to a friend's house to spend the night i thought you're crazy as a young man the more i thought about it the more i realized that's amazing that's amazing he was practicing exactly what we just talked about he was fleeing the opportunity for immorality he was running away from impurity. And I remember having a conversation with my friend Eric right after that. And we had just read a verse in our Sunday school class. It was Psalm 119.9. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Do you know how? you know the verse? How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. And that became a rallying cry for the two of us. And over the years, we've said that back and forth to each other to encourage each other to uh, live lives of purity. And when one of us has gone through a, a struggle of any sort, often the other one will say, how can a young man keep his way pure? And the other one of us will say, 
but living according to your word. And that's been one of the biggest helps that I've had in my life. How can a young woman keep her way pure? By living according to God's word. How can someone who's 75 years old keep their way pure? By living according to God's word. It's a message for all of us. God calls us to purity. And the way that we fight that is by God's word. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to hear your word. And Father, sometimes uh, it's not fun. It's not pleasant to hear some, some hard consequences to actions that are so easily uh, done, so easily to become entwined within. But Father, through all of it, you promise that you love us. You promise that you will give your forgiveness, that you will make us pure. And for that, we're thankful, Father. And I just pray, Father, for anybody in this room, myself included, that if we find ourselves in any of these situations or even tempted by any of these situations, that we will remember that call to purity and that we will answer that call to how we answer. And that is by living according to your word. So, Father, help us to do just that. Help us to be people defined by your love, your compassion, your kindness, your graciousness, and your word. We just humbly ask this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as our worship team comes, uh, comes forward, a couple challenges for you today. The first one is we have a new, uh, new verse of the month. A new one. This one is Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen, which I feel is very appropriate for us as we finish up the, over the course of this month. Or this, not that, are putting off the old, putting on the new. Uh, it says this in Second Corinthians five seventeen. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let's say that together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay, that's, that's the picture of putting off old and putting on the new. And becoming more and more like Jesus, more and more pure in him. Second, take it home. The second challenge for you today is this. I'd like you to decide. Maybe it's for yourself. Maybe you're single and uh, live by yourself. And so you need to make a decision uh, alone. Or maybe you're a couple or a family. Decide what type of media or entertainment is acceptable in your household. Discuss what areas in your lives are danger zone for impurity and immorality. I think that's an important conversation to have. It's not always an easy conversation to have. But otherwise, if we have no boundaries, then we're going to find ourselves in a heap of trouble pretty quickly. So sometimes boundaries can be our friend, right? As they keep us from immorality, keep us from impurity.